Okay, so we have just got back from the cinema. We've just seen Dream Scenario starring Nicolas Cage and it was just an hour and 40 minutes, finally. Finally, a movie that's uh, a reasonable length. We've had Oppenheimer this year. We've recently had Killers of the Flower Moon. I mean, that was the that was the one. Wasn't I mean, that it? felt a lot longer dragged. than dragged than, than three hours. To be honest, I, I mean, how long was it? So, it's, well, oh Actually, no, it was. It was three it and a half like hours. Three and a half hours. Wasn't it? Three uh, hours twenty minutes. We we got there at half nine and we left at ten to one. So that's that's some piece of work for for six listens. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron is out. Okay. So, so yeah. So, dream scenario. Um, Nicholas Cage is in this. I'm not really sure. I recognise many of the other cast. I don't know if you. I mean, Michael Sarah was a big. Oh yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. And um, I'm just going to say Greg from Succession. (laughs) (laughs) Greg from Succession. Um, So, so what did you think of this movie? I kind of liked it. I think I liked it. Yeah. Ultimately, I liked it. It's a weird one, though, isn't it? Like, what would you, uh, how would you categorize this in terms of genre? Well, it ended up feeling like a thriller to me. Yeah. Like, it became gradually more uncomfortable as the film went on. I'm ov- obviously intended. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, and at the start, I was like, and for some reason, I, I mean, I know you don't watch the trailers, but I did watch the trailer and I did notice there was a little bit of this like nightmare stuff going on. Mm. But I thought it was going to be like a, a light-hearted like yeah. story. Yeah. And um, it just turned into something like really, really uncomfortable. It's weird, isn't it? Like Google says this is a comedy slash action, but I'm seeing a lot of people describe it as a as a sci-fi thriller. Right. I mean, I think. Just like you know, the varied uh, responses there like point to it being really hard to categorize, like quite a hard movie to like describe. And mm. I like that. I yeah, that's, that's cool. pretty good. It's a movie that to describe it, you talk about the concept in it. You yeah. Go, oh well, it's this this movie where this guy played by Nicolas Cage starts appearing in everyone's dreams. And yeah. Everyone like responds differently to him in public yeah. depending on what's happened to them in their experience in their dream. Yeah. <laughs> like that's how you describe the movie. You wouldn't be like, well it's a thriller written yeah. by like I like that. It's uh, it, it's a movie that explores an interesting concept. Yeah, I'm laughing cuz cuz I was trying to explain when someone asked me what uh, we were going to see tonight, I was trying to explain it. And they went, "Oh yeah, so Inception." <laughs> I was <just> like, <laughs> yeah. well, no, but <laughs> um so so definitely so hard to categorize. Um yeah, I I, I think I enjoyed this film. Yeah. Um, the what I did find a point. There was a point where I wasn't quite sure where it was going, um, and that oh, was mate. well. To be fair, I'm still not sure where it went. Well, it sort of. I feel like it could have gone in a lot of directions just from the concept. You know? Yeah, uh, and I think that's my favorite. You know, my favorite thing about it is the concept. As I say, like a guy appears in everybody's dreams. Mm-hmm. Everybody in in a, a, the world, presumably, yeah, starts seeing this guy in their dreams. Where, where'd you go with that as a story yeah like it's so it's creative it's fun you go like you go loads of different ways with it um and really there's kind of infinite stories to tell because you can tell the you can tell it from the perspective of every individual who's had the dream and that's what a, the majority of the population you know there's there's so many ways you could you could look yeah. at this there's so many things you could explore so kind of doesn't pick one does it no so so obviously the what 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 it went with here was you know this this kind of focus on Paul Matthews, um, who is appearing in everyone's dream, and he he is this kind of 
he's a little bit self-obsessed. He's, he's bitter that he hasn't found fame in his profession. Mm. Um, and what ends up happening is he finds fame from basically being everyone's dream and he wants to use that to propel his writing career or his, or his you know, wants to propel his book and he wants to propel his, yeah. um, you know, his expertise. And, and, and that doesn't quite happen for him you know alongside this story of, of you know him popping up in everyone's dreams and everyone else having these different experiences around them so that was the story they went with and it kind of I almost feel like in the end there wasn't like a beginning and a middle and an end to this story that there maybe was in the back that there's like a touch of that where he starts appearing in people's dreams um, people start having nightmares about him his life ends yeah. up in pieces there's, there's, I mean, there's that but it wasn't really I feel like this film wasn't based around a structure of beginning. There was a very end. clear three act structure. Oh, you I would, think? I would, yeah, I'd argue there's a very, very clear talk three me, act. Talk me through the structure. So, I really liked the first act. I usually do. But like, I really liked the first act. Um, you've got the establishment of Paul Matthews as a character, played yeah. by Nicolas Cage, his profession, his wife and his kids, and his like family dynamic, his home. And his like struggles and bitterness with the fact that he's not quite made it in the way that he uh, he expected to. His life doesn't look like how he imagined it to. Yeah. And that is beautifully portrayed in the first act. Like it's really, really cool. Yeah, the yeah, scene when he attempts to record the conversation between him and uh, presumably like ex-colleague or someone yeah, he used to work with or went to uni with. Or yeah, it something. seemed like someone he studied with. Yeah, has yeah, yeah. Taken his, or in, you know, you know, as his mind taken his theories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's publishing uh, a piece, a presumably quite successful piece, that he feels like he's um he should be credited. He for. should be at least credited for. Yeah, and he's having this this conversation with her, but you know, he's an awkward guy and he can't get that across. And the mm-hmm. presence of the uh, the recorder and everything, like the, the phone recording, like adds another pressure to that conversation. And he's and the way it's shot as well, the cuts, the way I loved the way they kind of like superimposed the recorded voice of him look, listening back to himself. Yeah. In the car afterwards, yeah. over the actual conversation. Yeah, like, yeah. I thought that was really cool. Honestly, like yeah, techniques like that, they were sort of scattered throughout the movie. Yeah, I thought they I, really, I really worked. Yeah. Anyway, then you've got a scene where he goes out for dinner. Uh, he goes up to the theater and for dinner with his wife later that evening, and they're approached by an ex-girlfriend, or he's approached by an ex-girlfriend, and she says, "Oh, you've been appearing in my dreams." And you've got like the sort of, the, I mean, it's a horrible conversation. It's so well written, so yeah. well acted, like. It's brilliant. The awkwardness, the total like social ignorance of um, both Paul and the girl, like the, the ex-girlfriend, and his wife just stood there like having to deal with that. Like, <laughs> um, but you see, like Paul's inability to manage that, yeah, tells you a lot about his character. Yeah, like you know, it further emphasizes like how awkward this guy is, how like completely uncool, how completely like uncomfortable in his own skin he is. Mm. Um, and what I think was really cool that came through in that scene is that he is like over the moon to be potentially desired. Yeah. You know? Um, he's seeing like himself in a different light in this woman's eyes. Yeah. And of course, when he goes to meet her later on, he's completely not what he said to his wife. Like, he's like, oh, I'm going to be dead formal. And he's like fishing for, a, for confirmation that she might, you know, still have feelings for him. Or, yeah, yeah. I mean that it just creates his character so nicely. This bitter man who's like whose life hasn't turned out the way that he expected. Yeah. I mean, how many people is that? That's, that's you know. Wow. Um, and then you got this, your second act, right? Beginning of your second act, people are dreaming about him. 
Mm. It's a huge reveal. Like everyone's dreaming about him. You know, it starts with the ex-girlfriend, and then it's his students, and then I can't. Then he asks randomly. He asks his uh, I'm just gonna say boss, whatever the you know, his manager at the university is. Um, the dean. The dean. The dean, dean yeah. slash friend. Yeah. Um, I can't remember how it's actually revealed. What happens? Who who is it next that dreams about him? Oh, it's the dinner party. Yeah. The dinner party, and someone two people at the dinner party like realise they're having the same or dream about the same man the same man and yeah. obviously they know him one of them knows him they put him in contact it comes out everyone's dreaming about him and next thing you know this guy's a celebrity overnight mm-hmm. um, and then he turns his classes into this kind of like Q&A session where he just absolutely <laughs> basks in the uh, yeah. in the fame right yeah. um, and then sort of you know you height your second act everything goes to shit and all of these dreams about this individual turn to nightmares mm. and suddenly everyone's traumatised just to see him walk in the streets or like being yeah. in public and he becomes villainized and targeted and his life just completely falls apart and the way that he responds to it I mean how do you respond to it to be fair to him like he is a, he is a victim in the situation but the way that he responds to it is terrible it completely falls apart and your third act that's where it got a bit weird the resolution of this story seemed a bit loose to me. It seemed right. to sort of change tack right where it should have attempted to resolve it. And it kind of like went at cancel culture and didn't really like concisely conclude. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, so it started off as this quite interesting like character profile, the study of this guy and like what would happen to just, you know, your average bloke with pretty day to day like insecurities if he just became famous overnight cool concept mm. and like what would happen if you know you had a guy that everybody was dreaming about like, cool concept to explore um, how does your average insecure middle aged man respond to fame respond to opportunity like that yeah you see that it's explored and that's that's sort of the movie I wanted yeah towards the end it did become something different I, I think I think there is a yeah there's that there's that obvious point where it, you know where it cuts and then it, it it does this there's a picture of him on screen yeah where actually i feel like that was supposed to be you know that was kind of a nod back to the the cbt session that um i think it was candice was having with the students where she showed them all his oh, photo yeah, yeah 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 so so a, a black screen comes up with just a photo of him kind of alluding to to the to the fact of and we'll go into this a little bit later that that we might have been now thinking about it yeah. and it's just a photo of him on, yeah. the, on the screen and then it talks about like you know what happened after the story as as if it was like just a news clipping or something like that yeah. and then it switches to him in France you know giving into the uh, the like the marketing culture where he's just going around doing little bits for money and stuff like that because mm. he's being fired from his job and, and there was definitely a, it was like a complete change in tone of the story yeah um, and focus as well and, and and then it kind of so th- so it kind of just felt like it fizzled out to the yeah. point where I actually can't remember what how it ended. <laughs> it just kind of ends. Um, so that was yeah maybe that's my that's my probably biggest criticism of this movie like or the thing I didn't like was that it ends really abruptly. It just cuts off, which I think is cool. Like as an idea, or, you know, general, as a way of ending a movie, yeah. I'm, I'm for it. Like yeah. I'd rather, much rather that in the middle it, of like, a scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it just drags out into something that doesn't you know or it started I don't know attempting to do something else just end your movie like have the confidence to be like yeah that's it like you know we, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna end it here 
Um, but it ends with him using the, the weird new technology that's been developed oh, as a result of yes. the phenomenon yeah, yeah, yeah. to attempt to enter his wife's dreams. And yeah. His wife, is of, of course, has left him because of like the chaos that's ensued as a result of this phenomenon. And he's trying to, I don't know, like kind of reclaim some remnants of his old life and spend some time with his wife and his dreams, which is incredibly fucking depressing. <laughs> like, yeah. It's really, really sad. And, and he says, I wish this was real, and it ends. It's like, ah yes I, I do remember that and I, I do feel like that was quite it was quite a black mirror way to end something like that it was know? yeah it was kind of a um, <coughs> well, excuse me kind of a black mirror concept that this movie explored wasn't it so I just want to pick up on uh, something you just said that um, about five minutes ago there so <laughs> I <laughs> sorry I was talking for a while I, I wondered so, so there was a point I wondered where the story was going, and and and, and that was um, when he was asked to maybe not come to school anymore, mm. or like take a break from school, and then and then he just you know it was it was it was running on his treadmill, and and I actually felt like it did recover, but I felt like at that very point it kind of went flat because it was like okay, so everyone's having nightmares about him now. He's been told not to come to school, like literally where are you going from here regarding like he was just going to stay at home yeah. and and it just I almost felt like an energy was, was like sapped out of the film at that point and I don't know if that's it's not it's not really a feeling I get that often um, and it did take me like you know a few minutes before I kind of got back into it a little bit where, where, he, kind, where he kind of went you know a little bit crazy and he started digging his heels in and started becoming really stubborn yeah. about the whole situation like basically saying he's the victim that that, that it kind of drew my attention again but do you, do you ever get that feeling where like like smack bang in the middle of the film like the energy's just pulled out and well, I'd say rarely yeah no that doesn't sound like no not often are you are you usually like either not impressed from the start or like you know or you just generally enjoy the whole the whole, the whole story. <laughs> I don't know. I th- I, it was just a really weird. Answer. It was a really weird feeling. It was just like at that very specific point, I was like, okay, now what? Well, it's it's basically like the overall problem. Really, it kind of crashes at in Act Two, doesn't it? Like you sort of the build up, the concept. Like you're looking forward to seeing how they explore it, but ending it, it's really really hard. Yeah. Um, how would, how did you? How would you have like ended it? Bloody hell! Well, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I was sort of expecting him to kill himself. Which is well, that could be the answer. It's bleak. But that's that not what I wanted answer. to see. Yeah, that's yeah, not what yeah. I'm saying. But yeah, you know what I mean. Well, like, do you think that's the line that it could have gone down, or it looked like it was going down? Yeah. I had this idea that like maybe he'd he'd kill him. He'd commit suicide. You know, alone in his flat, having you know lost his family, or whatever. And then you'd see the sort of. I don't know the the thoughts people you know the magazine or whatever the hell that that branding company was that were like trying to work with them would then like put some kind because they own his life rights or something would put some kind of like spin on like how he was a victim and you know like and it would all be a comment on cancel culture and celebrityism and all that kind of thing yeah um, I was kind of expecting that I get but I'm sort of glad I feel like that would have been a bit on the nose yeah all right well this is going to be a challenge uh-huh. This film does a rare thing for us, and it allows us to put yourself in the situation that Paul Matthews found himself in. How would you act in those, in you that, know, when, when, when you first find the fame, 
If you could try and put yourself in the shoes of Paul Matthews. I would hate it. Yeah? So Paul loved it, right? It. Yeah. So so why without having to go too deep into your soul <laughs> why would you why would you hate that like instant overnight fame of people like first of all dreaming of you just doing nothing because he had a bit of a problem of being insignificant in people's dreams which actually is another point in act one that's incredible for that like character creation and yeah, that, like, that sure did nothing? Yeah, yeah yeah he's even frustrated at the fact that even though he's appearing in everyone's dreams he's inactive in those dreams and yeah. it's like well this is how people see me he's desperate for that external validation where he's like a hero and yeah anyway we'll, we'll come back to that uh i'd hate well i'd hate the con i mean the idea of being famous is fucking terrifying to be honest like i'd I don't. Oh, I'm an anxious person. Like, no, I don't want people knowing me, looking at me. Like, I freak out when an episode of this gets over twenty listens. Like, <laughs> like, imagine being in everyone's dreams. Imagine walking down the street and like not even being famous. This is what's crazy. Paul Matthews wasn't even famous for something he knew he'd done. Like, everyone that's looking at you knows you for something different. Yeah. It's not like oh yeah, I'm. I can handle. I can somehow. Uh, get my head around the fact that everybody knows me for doing this or achieving this or being that guy it's like for every individual that looks at him they associate him with a different experience mm. I mean that's that's bad as in the first place you know yeah, yeah, that's crazy yeah. in the first place yeah. but when that lapses into the nightmares I mean it just becomes outright like horrific doesn't it like, everybody's scared of you yeah and, and, and at that point where, where you hit that so you've hit the fame you think something's just going to work for you and then it all changes did it change because he recreated a dream? Because I, I was trying to work out why people started... Like, why... Uh, I, and it doesn't really need explaining, but, like... I feel like there was, like, subtle hints because um, one of his daughters said, what did you do? Yeah. And then, obviously, his wife later on said, who's Molly, right? Yeah. So... so did was the film? I don't know if oh, you picked you mean, this up. Right. Was the did the did the nightmares change because he one either did something wrong and was unfaithful, or two tried to like change the course of reality and he actually was recreating that person's dream? Do you mm. think? Did you get a hint there? Because I feel like the nightmares only started at that point, or is it the case of him even? The, the the Molly even Ooh. having the dream about him doing something was like a weird shift where that was the point that people were starting to dream differently about him that's a really interesting you know I hadn't picked up on that at all so like it's almost like there's a higher power at work that I think this is really cool there's a theory here isn't there like when he acts on Molly's dream so he goes to the office and he, and there's this like attractive young assistant who's like obviously having a dream of a sexual nature with him involved and he sees an opportunity and acts on it like he does ultimately doesn't he he's uncomfortable about it mm -hmm. like visibly and like vocally but he does act ultimately does act on it and he's unfaithful to his wife <laughs> um at that point that can't you right like that is the moment where things go wrong and like, after that the dreams become nightmares mm. and i think you could suggest that it's almost like he's been given a sort of gift. You know, if you went down like a religious route or something, you could say like he's been instilled with this, this power, this mm. purpose. He's, he's the guy that's in everyone's dreams and he's acted like that. And so he's punished. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a theory I'm reaching, but I think it's, I think it's definitely like valid. Mm. 
Because because and, but then and then you have a problem with that theory because he only acted like that because someone had a unique dream about him. Well, what, how unique was it if he'd gone to a different city and met a different you know young girl who'd had a similar dream? You know. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I think there's a really interesting study of masculinity in this movie, where I mean, you know, there is in the first two acts anyway. It kind of gets abandoned in the third, but like, there's a really interesting study of what it is to grow old as a man mm-hmm. and be I don't know I guess average and trying to make peace with the fact that like you are all you're ever going to be yeah. potentially and like you know you, you're not getting that book deal and and you're not quite content even though you've got a happy life you know and like there's something and when he gets this opportunity when he becomes famous he doesn't shy from it really yeah. he embraces it he's like yeah. this is great I'm the, I'm the subject of everybody's all the attentions on me like people find me attractive people find me interesting I mean love the the being described as the most interesting person in the, in the world yeah by um Michael Sarah at thoughts <laughs> um and I think the character of um Paul Matthews is created to like suit that idea perfectly or to explore that like really really nicely it's interesting when you talked about Paul Matthews not shying away from the fame because actually um, last year Nicolas Cage did star in a film called The Unbearable Weight, Weight of Massive, of massive Talent, Talent. Yeah. and and I have just read an article when kind of looking at uh, Dream Scenario and, and the creation and it was and, and like basically the, the, the writer of the article was like well Nicolas Cage is not one to shy away from all the like from attention basically mm. so it's almost like despite being well, quite ordinary. It's like, it, you know, he's perfect for that role where it's like an ordinary person in the field, like desperately wanting to excel. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that's a slight. There's something autobiographical yeah. about this, isn't there? Like, I don't, I feel like I'm uh, being really critical of um, Nicolas Cage, but, you know, he's, he's kind of a meme of the movie industry. He's kind of a meme of Hollywood, isn't he? And, I feel like this movie is almost him going. I mean, I don't know if he had a hand in writing it, but it is almost him going like, "Look, this is how it feels to be me." <laughs> like, <laughs> there's something self kind of victimizing about it, um, and I, that, it's interesting because the character of Paul uh, Matthews is so, like, for want of a better word, pathetic, isn't he? Yeah. Like he's kind of he's whiny. Yeah. Like, even even at the beginning, he's he's kind of whiny and tragic, and everything's a complaint, and and the world's against him, like to an extent. Um, and I really, what I really thought was interesting was that, like, I don't know if you're supposed to like him or not. Mm. Like, the movie really intentionally made you, like, swing back and forward between yeah, yeah. liking him and not liking him. So at the start, I really liked him. Yeah. It's kind of this really, like, you know, Same. Yeah. like, well, not humble, maybe, but this kind of, like, you know, harmless, pleasant, like, maybe a little bit insecure, like, professor. Yeah. A professor that felt like he was owed something, and, and in turn, you as an audience member felt like he was owed something as yeah well. exactly the movie makes him out to be the underdog at the beginning and you want him to be alright and then when the dreams start happening you, you're like oh you know it's on for him like this is a good thing like he's got this opportunity um, yeah. he's going to become famous and you feel you're like you're happy for him yeah but then you know he cheats on his wife then he's cut your you know and, and he sort of explored that is one of the most awkward yeah, scenes I've seen this year by the way that was horrible um <laughs> Multiple scenes in this film could go down as like the most awkward scene. Of this the year. Year. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, the one at the, the theatre as well. 
I um, mean, yeah, well, that's awkward, but like enjoyable to watch. Yeah. This this one we're talking about here with the with a Molly in a flat yeah. where they try and recreate the dream is just uncomfortable. <laughs> like it's just horrible, <laughs> man. I mean, I rate that the movie had the balls to take it there, you know. <laughs> and I'm glad we didn't get a, a horrific sex scene. Yeah, like I feel like we've had a lot of that uh, this year. And to be fair, last week we didn't speak about the amount of cartoon sex in uh, Blue Eye Samurai. Yeah, but let's just sweep straight past that. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, like I, I still all the way through really wanted him to get this book deal. <laughs> yeah, you what well, you want? You naturally want some kind of resolution or some kind of like catharsis and progress for your protagonist you want them to grow yeah I did feel sad that his marriage broke down yeah it is sad and he is ultimately the victim isn't he yeah but because he didn't ask for to be in someone's you know everyone's dreams it's like the most obscure way to become famous and he didn't actually do anything and and that's I I mean that's probably the beauty behind this story it's like he literally did nothing to become famous but then his life completely changed and was completely flipped upside down. And you get like, like a, a self-fulfilling prophecy, don't you? When the minute he starts becoming like villainized, you know, everyone in public sees him as like this evil guy that like, I don't know, garroted them in, in their dream or something. Like, and the guy spits in his food in the restaurant and all that kind of thing. Like it becomes this, the situation where like he, he's made to be the villain. Yeah. Like he has to, you know, he has to start acting like one as well. And of course yeah. he tries to go and see his kid at play oh. and, he thought, you know, he's like gets in a little bit of a tussle with the teacher and ends up like breaking a hand in the door or something, and yeah. suddenly like and you he get really that is that guy. Where it looks like it's like a scene where you're like, is that a dream? Yeah. Like, it, it's interesting you say that as well because the whole way through this movie, every cut, yeah. you don't know if this is the portrayal of somebody's dream with him in it, like with him in it, or this is actually happening yeah and well, that was brilliant that I was thought, brilliant yeah. like, like kept yeah. you guessing yeah that yeah. was brilliant the best example of it was another turning point in the, in the second act um, just after the you know the Molly dream recreation is when he mm. has a nightmare yeah. about himself yeah that's what I was going to say because he goes for a run it's that point you were talking about where he's not going out and he's just trapped in his house he goes for a run and suddenly there's this guy hunting him with a bow and arrow and you're like this is terrifying it's like absolute horror movie stuff, you know. He's like running down the street, and this guy's chasing him, like firing arrows in his back. And you're thinking, is he being hunted by someone that's had a dream about yeah. him, or like some like assassin type, you know? Because he's already had people breaking into his house with knives and stuff. Or is this a dream? And I was thinking, like, it's got to be a dream from, because of the way that it's being shot. Yeah, you know, it's like you're getting like a point of view camera angle well, and the fact that he took two arrows and, and just kept, kept running. running yeah the fact that he, the way he <laughs> I was responded. like okay so this is a dream which yeah. is fine <laughs> <laughs> but that was another interesting point because it almost like at that point it tried the movie tries to bring you back to liking him yeah. again he's the underdog again yeah. because now he's even a villain or sorry a victim of the same phenomenon everyone yeah. else is and actually I, I have to comment on on the realism of that scene and the fact that you in a dream like you and me would yeah. also probably take two arrows in your dream yeah. and still carry on the dream would carry on do you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah, 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 in real yeah. life two arrows you'd like drop and whatever but you would dream about taking two arrows and still carrying carrying on within that dream yeah yeah does that yeah. make sense so, so like the dreams that people were having they were like they were so profound because it was like and you could really associate with it was because you know, you create the, the narrative. In yeah, your absolutely. So, like, he took two arrows but kept running. 
but in real life that probably wouldn't that mm. probably wouldn't happen one hour would probably drop you but because he was dreaming about it and because you or I would could have that kind of dream you'd take a few hours and you'd keep running in your dream <laughs> and I, I just found that so fascinating that they to that level of detail yeah around like what is possible in someone's dream well I like that there were a lot of nods to like really common dreams to make everyone kind of I guess um associate with like the story like um there's a scene towards the end where he's throwing punches he's trying to fight off the guy that's advertising and they're like just not doing anything they're just bouncing off him yeah. it's like I've had that dream you know like when you're fighting for your life and it's like why Why is every punch really weak like, like, <laughs> or like you're running and you're not moving that fast and like, yeah. the, flo- the, the levitation floating the falling yeah. like all of them are like sort of scattered around yeah. within the dream I don't the, think I've ever dream- dreamt about levitating tooth, well fair enough but a lot of people have a falling dream yeah. the tooth coming out yeah. that's a really common one apparently um, like yeah they're, they're sort of scattered into the movie um, and it makes it really relatable for everyone I think so the, so the film kind of gave you a little bit of a nod as well um, you absolutely cracked up when they were talking about Joe Rogan and Peterson oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know like when it all went to shit we can get you an interview with Peterson we can, <laughs> <laughs> we can get you on Rogan yeah so it absolutely went for the uh, the kind of the controversial the far again, right culture war people were like yeah, yeah yeah absolutely I loved that <laughs> <laughs> it was good it was good um, and, I mean stuff like that and it doesn't take you out of the film but like it was you know it's, it's almost that's almost fan service yeah to yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. people going to see that kind of film real um, world references and that would you use Norio ooh Norio uh, to, to podcast listeners was the the band that goes around your wrist that got created to almost prevent things like that happening in your dream. So it, it meant that people could advertise in your dream. Um, you could listen to, see music videos in your dream from new artists and things like that. So um, I actually, is it a thing of, I wonder if it could be a thing of the future. I'm not sure. I think this movie does sort of tap into like a, a, a kind of like fringe scientific theory uh, yeah dream theory yeah uh, it's not quite threat simulation is it but it's like it's I guess it's like an expansion of threat simulation theory where uh, your your dreams are like a training room for you to practice yeah it's an evolutionary advantage that all beings have like they dream and they experience things you know like a curveball yeah so they'll be slightly more prepared in real life or whatever um, so are you keeping your natural dreams or are you taking an a Norio wristband so well, you can watch I'm, a few ads I'm not taking a, mm, no I'd, I'd keep my natural dreams you Cause think I, yeah because I think the, the concept of like that threat simulation you know room or whatever that space in your head uh, being occupied by like uh, influencers or advertisements or even like linking it to someone else's mm-hmm. so you can share unconscious experiences in your dreams like I genuinely think there's scientific work going on that explores that. Yeah. I don't think that that's... I wonder, I wonder, I wonder though, if it's like... Because, like, I, the way I'm picturing it... I, I mean, this this is not how it was displayed in the film. But the way I'm picturing it is, like, there's, like, a screen projected in your mind while you're, while you're sleeping. And you're just watching an ad. But this was actually you being part of the ad. Because, what they, cause obviously, in the film, um, Nicolas Cage or Paul Matthews is having a dream... 
and and the guy comes in trying to teach him a dance move, <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's got a pair of sneakers on while yeah. like a, a <laughs> it's like a sneakers. sneakers. <laughs> so so it's not like a it's not it, you're an actual active part of the ad as well. It's yeah. not like you're just being presented with something. No, yeah, it's, you it's become like an really active role. influencing or infiltrating um, into your subconscious. Like, nah, to me that's scary. But then I'm scared of like you know we had a conversation a few weeks back about AI and its like effect on uh, on writing and on the uh, the entertainment industry mm-hmm. and I'm like a bit put off by all of those technological yeah, advancements yeah. it's like maybe I'm just old <laughs> it's not some it's not um it's not technology I've thought of so I wonder if it will actually come to light I um, hope not <laughs> so well my last comment on on this is uh do we think that Paul Matthews, after seeing this film, is going to turn up in real life dreams. <laughs> Are you going to dream about about in my uh, Nicolas Cage? I I think I, I, there might be a Nicolas Cage with a Sprite bottle <laughs> in my dream later on. I, I just I, I just feel like th- th- this film was so well created. It's going to have that effect. People are going to watch this film, go to bed, and they'll picture that character in their yeah. dream. Really strange. Hopefully just the, him sweeping and not yeah. any of the other stuff. But yeah, you, yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? I mean, I, I feel like it's it's that kind of film that could have that impact. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, yeah. It, he's a well-created image, um, Paul Matthews, isn't he? Like, that, that photograph that they show them and it comes up on the screen at the end. Um it is like you know your your average bloke, but there's something unnerving. There's something there. yeah. there's, there's something about that image that's like burnt into your brain, and like, yeah, yeah. I feel like yeah, I might have a dream about it. But I love the inversion of the title. You know, dream scenario. Like this is a nightmare scenario all round, isn't it? Like I don't want to yeah. be Paul ever, and I don't yeah. want to dream about him either. You know, this is yeah, a, this yeah. is a horrific situation ultimately. Like that's strange it's a, it's almost like a horror movie concept with flickers so. of horror mo- so, uh, moments yeah. but told as a sort of as an almost comedy it's yeah so the the director Christopher Borgley um, so the inspiration so he's, he's, he's Norwegian so the inspiration for this film slightly was he did a, a short story called Sick of Myself last year mm. and um, it was about a couple who were so desperate to, to, to gain fame, they went to extreme lengths, like apparently including disfigurement or something like that. Okay. So that that was that was like his his premise to build build this story upon. And I feel like it's that you know that pr- profound like his short story was around people wanting to leave an image in other people's mind. Mm. And, and I feel like this film will has it has that. the potential to li- to leave an image for a short period of time. Um, in, in in people's minds that go and watch this movie, I think I think it's really I think it's just all been tied together and really smartly done. Uh, you, I think you're completely it's right. Not it just achieves a film. that. Yeah, it, it achieves that by portraying this character who's desperate to control the image that he's leaving in in people's minds. The 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 person that he has, what he's remembered for, what he says on his Wikipedia page is what he literally says, and yet he can't. He's completely out of control. It's yeah. like these dreams. He's, he's out of control. You don't know. You can't control what people are. Uh, experiencing with him in their dreams yeah I think this is beautiful and you know what as well it's refreshing to see a movie that's under two hours yeah. but is a completely original concept not tied to a to a you know a series or hinting at a sequel and 
just an original story, just an original well-told story. And and and, if, and the fact that like it, you can't say it's this genre. Yeah, and the fact yeah. that you can't pigeonhole it into like a genre and describe you have to describe it off the concept rather than the the genre. It, that makes it really original and it's really well written and acted and all of that. So um I mean that's what I've been that's what I've been crying out for since the beginning of the year like these original pieces and no matter how abrupt the ending I'd I'd watch more experimental pieces like this every week. Yeah, absolutely. Nicolas Cage is uh, currently the 39th most talked about actor according to IMDb up three places from last week so I'm not sure it's propelled him into <laughs> propelled him into everyone's thoughts as, as maybe intended I mean I can see now that he's one up from Martin Scorsese though well, probably deserved 